again my name's gavin daly this is the luton town international podcast and i'm here with alex alex how's it going oh i'm good i'm good not too bad and uh, yeah as long as luton's doing as well as they are who can complain we wait till after easter so we could rise from the dead yes yes it's good timing to rise from the dead isn't it we're better though just saying yeah, yeah, I, 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 I do agree with that. So, Alex, where, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the Blackpool game, or do you want to start with the gargantuan task that faces the club? Gosh, where, where, where to start? It's been a while. Um, could start with, um, well, we could start with the Blackpool game, I suppose. Um, a good game, strong reaction after um, somewhat lackluster first half. They they played us. I wouldn't say played us off the pitch, but they they were controlling in the first half. Um, but we we had a reaction after their goal. Woke up and uh, yeah, amazing um, recovery with the one one going in at one one at halftime. Did you see that coming? One one at halftime. I thought it'd be a draw at halftime. Uh, if I'm being totally honest, just because I knew what Blackpool were, play- were playing for. It was always going to be. It was probably going to be one of the toughest games we had over uh, within the last three games. Uh, obviously, Watford, Millwall, and now Blackpool. I always felt that Blackpool was going to be the the harder of the games just because of what they're playing for. They're playing for their survival. They're playing for for Championship football next season. So, I, I given given our previous history of one nil wins, I was probably expecting it to be nil nil at halftime and then to snatch a snatch a goal in the second half. But uh, it, as you said, I wouldn't say lackluster first half. I, I don't necessarily agree there. I, I just thought, at times I thought we were trying to overpass it. We were trying to pass the ball into the back of the net rather than, than playing to our strengths. Mm. And then too often during the first half, I felt that they just went long. They just put the ball forward and hoped that Adebayo and, and Morris could get on the end of it. I think the goal helped us play our game in the second half. And once we started playing our game, I think there was only ever going to be one winner, and that was us. But, I mean, fair play to Blackpool. They took advantage of the uh, the one chance they really got, which was from a set piece, uh, put into the box, and about it doesn't deal with it, doesn't get close enough to his man, and they put the ball past Horvath. You've got to be, you've got to defend that better, Alex. Yes, yes, absolutely. But uh, yeah, with, with set pieces has kind of 
uh, the set pieces and, and, and uh, stuff like that has been our kind of like our um, well, we haven't been very strong at that uh, we've struggled a bit um, organizing those um, what I felt also during the first half was that we we didn't utilize our wing backs at all um, and they, they didn't get into the game very much um, and I think we we do best when we utilize our wing backs to the max and I felt we some words must have been had at half time because at half time both our wing backs were a lot more up for the up for the match and also they got more into the game they they got played more into the game and second half when our wing backs were utilized we just we just you know steamrolled them completely yeah you could definitely see the golf in class in the second half and it showed why the teams are where they're at Luton obviously third in the in the championship Blackpool is a 2020th 23rd I think 22 even worse but I yeah I, I was disappointed with the goals just simply because the first foul you give away you're in you're in there attacking third there's no threat whatsoever and Campbell decides to uh just clip at the the the, the guy's legs and there's no need for it you know, he's going nowhere. And then from that, Lockyer, I don't know what Locks is thinking. He just went through the Blackpool player. Uh, and, and again, he's going nowhere. You stand off him. If he gets the, if he brings it down and gets the first touch, great. You just make sure you, you don't let him turn. Yep. You know, and, and for me, that that was disappointing. You know, it, it, it's one of them things where we've we've been so good defensively this season that you don't you we haven't seen a lot of that and i i also think that i also think that uh, the, the way we have been playing the way uh edwards have us playing it's not that different from nathan jones but we are so much more effective uh taking our chances when we get them and we also tend to dominate dominate the the, the midfield and also dominate uh, the wings, even if uh, we're playing against 4-4-2 and being double up, our wing backs are being double up against, we have that defensive midfielder um, working on both sides, getting to both sides to help out when we are being uh, when we are being played uh, playing against uh, both both a, a back and a, a winger. Yeah, it's one of those things where when when Edwards came in, he said he didn't want to change much. You know, he he didn't want to. The team was doing so well, but I mean, even in those first couple of games, I can like I'm not just saying this, but I honestly felt a difference in the way we played. I felt like he gave the players more confidence to get on the ball and play with the ball, because I mean we we talked about the first half and and, and the ball going long to Adebayo and Morris a little bit too much. I felt that was happening a lot, an awful lot coming to the end of Nathan Jones's second second reign in charge. You know, and and Edwards has come in, he said, look, if that's how you feel comfortable playing, let's not get away from that. But he started giving players confidence and, hey, get on the ball. You're, you're good. You're you're technically gifted. You're you're in this position as a club and as a team for a reason. Go out and express yourself. Yeah, and and, and 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 that that is an important point. Uh, I I also think it's an important point the fact that um, the way we see our our players now um, more being in control of the game and also uh, marvelous 
being the, the, the midfielder he is, um, gives us that anchor in the midfield, which which which, which fills the, the the forward players with more safety. They know they can they know they can uh, extend a little bit more forward because they got that safety at the uh, at the anchor in the mid, in midfield. Um, and I think that 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 is giving the, the the team a lot more confidence moving forward. Definitely marvelous is indeed marvelous. Uh, but let's talk. Let's talk about the Luton goal, the first goal, right before halftime. I think it was. I think it was the last kick of the game. I think Blackpool t- yep. kicked off, and then that was it. Uh, last last kick of the first half, I should say. Sure it's was. a perfect time to score. Perfect time to score for Pelly. He only scores bangers, as they say, and it was a pretty pretty good finish from him. The one thing I couldn't get over is the fact that that ball's come into the box. Morris has been able to to lay it down, to head it down to, to Pelly, and no one's anywhere near him. Do you think the fact that he doesn't score a lot of goals has played into that? Um, <laughs> that's, that's a good point. Um, Not that I'm complaining. No, I, 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 I don't think I don't think necessarily people automatically thinks he won't he won't try to 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 shoot or he won't try to 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 to, to go for the ball like that. I just think that I, I just think that. Um, Pelly is a bit more of a uh, enigma. You don't quite know what will happen when he gets the ball um, and and what he will do. And I think I think that yeah he he, he does surprise um, opponents a lot with 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 some solutions that actually are quite brilliant. At times. And of course, Morris involved again in that goal. Uh, I, I put out a tweet a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month back, maybe a little bit more now. Asking how difficult it would be to hold on to Morris if we didn't go up, and a lot of people were saying, "No, not a problem. We'd be able to hold on to him." What's your take on it? Because I know what my take is. Um, I think it would be difficult holding both uh, Elijah Bayo and and uh, uh, Morris. I think we'll struggle keeping both of them. Actually, um, they they are such class players, and um, I, I think. Especially with with Morris, who had uh, a really great season last season with Barnsley, showing that he can handle the move up to the championship when when Barnsley was promoted, um, and also then continuing that success with Luton. Um, yeah, we've just uh, yeah, we, we, I, it, it could even be difficult keeping them even if we go up to the Premier League. I totally agree. I, I think if we go up, I think there's probably more of a chance we hold on to them. If we don't go up, I I honestly don't know how a, say, second half of the Premier League table team does not come in for Carlton Morris. Uh, Elijah, I kind of get he's had, a, he's had a drop off this season, but... Morris has been fantastic, and I know yes, I sent you the stats, and you were giving me crap about about all all the stats. But Carlton Morris's expected goals this season is twelve. He scored seventeen. Yeah, yeah. That's that that's like he just show he's taking his chances when he's when he's given them, and then even some when you don't expect them to score, he's still scoring. Yeah, yeah. He 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 has that that uh, that that striker talent to to get into those positions. You know. Um, not, not that I'm in any way comparing him to Holland, but if you look at Holland, how he manages to get into those positions for the second ball, something that I've been harping on about for years on every podcast I've been on, 
um, a good a good player gets on that second ball, and uh, and 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 Morris has that tendency also to do that. And then obviously Aloysius expected goals for anyone who wants to know. Uh, Aloysius expected goals is twelve point six. He's actually scored seven, so obviously down. But again, you can take positives in the fact that the expected goals is is actually higher than Morris's, which means he's getting in the positions. Yeah. He's he's just he doesn't have, just doesn't have that finishing touch right now. It just seems to be eluding him. I also think that I also think that opposition teams um, was or are now a lot more aware of him than they were last season. Last season he he didn't get so closely watched by by the defenders as he is now, but but also the fact that he is maybe um, watched a bit by the defense gives openings for Morris as well. So so the fact that those two kind of work as a tandem and. And also, it does tend to happen when you have a high-scoring striker that the other striker becomes more of a provider than he becomes a goal scorer. Um, and I would love to see his, um, I would love to see his assist stats as well uh, at the bio on, on on that because I think I think he I think when you see him uh, pulling more out uh, instead of going central. Um, you see that he he is also setting up goals and drawing defenders to him, uh, giving more openings for his uh, partner up front. It's definitely it's definitely one of them things where I, I think we found the right partnership. And you think about a Carly Woodrow sitting on the bench a lot of weeks. We've let Harry Corner go. We brought in young Joe Taylor, uh, and it, it, it's just it's it's like those two. Those two, I honestly feel, could give Premier League defenses trouble. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I absolutely think that both both of them um, can can do that. And I think that most importantly, um, the fact that they are so different in playing styles. You know, you have you have uh, 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 who's more more of a more of a kind of Hartford style striker. And and then you have it's the Harford and Steen Steen combination that I'm thinking of, and and I th- I think that you know with a strong powerful forward as Morris is and um, and and this aerial presence and and also this ability to draw defenders to him with Adebayo, um yeah we have the perfect perfect striker combination at the moment, and 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 it's lovely to watch and um, I I think I think everyone giving stick to Adebayo now should look at the fact that we have won. Uh, goal scorers who's scoring a lot of goals, and it's not that usual. It's not that common to have two strikers that scored a lot of goals uh, in the same season. It's, it's actually quite unusual. Just to just to let you know, Adebayo's assists per ninety is zero point zero eight, so not great. Mm-hmm. But his progressive passes received is in the ninety one percent percentile. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, so so uh, a, a lot, a lot you can make from that, and that you know, he's the one that's he he's the one that's been aimed for. It seems a lot, awful lot, which is dragging defenders that way, as you as you as you mentioned, and then leaving space open for Morris. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I was wrong on the assist, but yeah, he's definitely with the with the progressive carries and also being able to able to take away uh, take away defenders from Morris creating openings and and also stretching stretching opponents defense uh, when we get those crosses in um, creating those openings yeah I, I think with the two two people we have up front now it, it is our 
it's a perfect combination combination for us. Um, we've had we've had we had Adebay on Cornick last season. I didn't feel Cornick was as good last season as he was the season before. Um, I feel like Cornick, oh sorry sorry this season as Cornick had the, the season before. I, I feel he was back to his goal um, goal, not taking his chances, not taking his goals, and in a way losing him. I, I didn't I didn't see that as a big problem this season losing him in gen, in the January window. Yeah, I have to say it was one of these things where I was just kind of like, man, I'm fine. And I think the fact that we have Elijah Carlton Morris and then even Collie Woodrow, they're just like it, it. It was getting too crowded, and you can totally understand Harry wanting to go and and get get a payday at Bristol City, which. It seems to be the team that's paying everyone but not actually doing much. Uh, can't blame him for that. But at the same point, like, I, I agree with you. I don't think he was as effective this season in the games he played for us uh, as he was uh, in, in the previous season. Uh, so, I mean, the, the right thing by the club to, to let him go, to, to cash in when we could, and... Um, you know, to use that money then to bring in bring in some players during the January window as well. Yeah, and and um, we 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 brought in <laughs> the signings we did in the January window was a bit weird, but um, I'm sure there's a plan behind the whole thing. Um, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. I, I but I do think that January windows are getting harder and harder each season to actually get in the people you want. It's more like a what can you get this window? Is there any any possibilities around to do some strengthening? Um, the loan signings we got in was probably the best uh, yeah. the, the best we did in the window, uh, and I think I think it was the best we could do in the window as well because it's really hard now nowadays to to get some movement in January and and, and get some players um, to you. So 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 with 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 how we do. With how we uh, work now, I think the the summer recruitment is spot on. Each has been spot on each season now, and then the January win has only been supplemental. Um, this time it had to be become a bit more supplemental because we lost two two players. Uh, I would say Bree was a key player and Cornick was a squad player. Uh, so 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 to that effect, um, one one was more important to replace than the other, uh, and we didn't. We didn't replace the like for like in Taylor replacing Cornick. Taylor is more an up and coming youngster who who might be able to do something for us in the future, who might develop into a strong starter for the future. But um, but it wasn't looked like a clear replacement on Cornick because we had that already in, in Colin Woodrow. I have to say, um, one of the things uh, we're going to get back to the Blackpool game, but one of the things I do want to get to later on is what you think the off season transfers window will be like but let's let, let's talk about uh carlton morris's goal he scored as well on, on on saturday against blackpool a lot of help from a very very windy day but if you're a defender alex you, you've got to deal with that you've just got to you've got to get that away or get it out for a corner at least yeah yeah you you can't really you can't really say you can't really say the defender was doing his job there and he, 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 yeah, he might have been slightly unlucky with the win, but um, no, I, I think I think it was a mistake from the defender, and 
and while Morris Morris was in the right time at the right time, um, it was in the right place at the right time, and the defender would have to take the blame for that goal. Um, I, I listened to to the game, I watched the game with um, with uh, uh, Simon's commentary, and he was giving the assist to the wind. I would give the assist to the defender definitely. Yeah, it's one of them things where, for, from your very early day, days, you're told. You play, you play to the whistle, and you play to the conditions that you're playing. If, yeah. if, if 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 you can't do that, then just play it safe, head it out, yeah. knock it away, do something. If that was a goal against Luton, I would not be sitting there going, "Oh, the wind, the wind held." I'd be sitting there going, "My defender should have dealt with it." Yeah. And then Blackpool made some changes, and then right after Blackpool made some changes, Telly scored a second. And that's the nail in the coffin because Blackpool have made their changes to try get something from this game. They know they have to get something from this game. And then nearly immediately after, Pelly pops up with a lovely ball from Collie Woodrow, Woodrow to set him up, who came on for uh, Elijah, I think. I, be- I believe it was Elijah who went off and looked like he was uh, hobbling, didn't look like he was in good, condi- good condition leaving the field. Yeah. Uh, but Great ball by Carly, great finish by Pelly, and I I know Simon mentioned it, but I can't remember the last time Pelly scored two goals in a game. Yeah, I I believe it was um, a while back. I think it was against Altrincham, or was it against Accrington? It was a while back. Sure. It was a long time ago. <laughs> yes, it was a long time. We ago. have not played. We have not played those teams in a very long time. Yeah, exactly, and um, the, but yeah, he 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 does he does come up with some goals now and then, and and it's always entertaining when he scores because you see how energized he gets from scoring a goal. Like you saw it with a, with the first goal, he was like, "Get back, get back, let's let's score another, let's score another," and with the second goal, that banger, holy, yeah, that was just amazing. Um, I also wanted to mention. Um, uh, Howard, um, well, your American Patriots save uh, just after that as well. He had a marvelous save from from a shot from from Blackpool, and and yeah, and and, and that save was hard to make because, um, as you mentioned, you had you had windy conditions that makes makes a ball unpredictable. Um, in this case, it, it, it it's unpredictable because um, the wind slows the ball up and also changes the direction of the ball. But Horworth is on it. And took it, and yeah, that was a really high quality save. I've liked Horvat this season, I have to say. But, but you saying you're you're American depends on the day, Alex. Depends on the day. I mean, if the USA are playing England, I'm American. If the US play USA are playing Ireland, I'm Irish. <laughs> Very much so. Just depends on the day. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd like I'd love to discuss the the goalkeeper situation at Luton at the moment because. Yeah, we have a, a, a lone star this season, and um, he's doing really well for us. Um, I'm really curious to see what, what will happen next season. Um, do you think we'll go in for him and try to get him permanently? I think it'll all depend on how Forrest finish the season. I think if Forrest stay up in the Premier League, I think they may be willing to do a bit of business Where, in that regard. I think if Forrest go down... Kyler Navas is not staying to play in the championship, <laughs> uh, which could leave an opening for Horvat to get the number one job there. I know that they have uh, Dean Henderson as well, but I believe he's only on loan from United as well. 
So, but they've got I, like I think six there's... billion players, though. Should yeah, they they've, got, the they've got a ton of players. Fire sale. It, I, I really think it depends on, on what happens with the two teams. If Luton go up, there's obviously going to be a little bit of money to spend. And um, fours go down, they may be willing to do a deal. Uh, but I'm not holding. I'm not holding out hopes. I think that's why he brought in a goalkeeper in January, which which yep. brings us on nicely to transfer business. Uh, he obviously brought in a goalkeeper during the during the the January transfer window. But this is going to be Rob Edwards' first summer at the yeah. at the at the helm. What are you expecting? Are you expecting experienced players? Are you expecting youth? Are you expecting a bit of both? I am honestly not 100% sure what we will need this summer. Uh, it all depends on who's staying and going. Um, with with the Luton board being really smart, and, and we have to say it's smart, uh, being very secretive about whose contracts are up and whose contracts are... Um, uh, are longer. We actually don't fully know the extent of uh, of, of our contracts, our players' contracts. Um, I do believe there's a firm rumor that uh, Lockyer's contract is up at the end of the season, uh, which kind of adds to the central defender issue that we discussed. Um, well, we didn't discuss in my podcast, but we discussed a bit in in various chats that we do need another. Um, Probably another left le- left centre back, but it would lock if Lockyer goes. We will also probably look into getting another right centre back um, as well. Do you think Locks will leave? Uh, well, I think I think he as uh, as Cornick and as Bree and as uh, uh, Naismith and as Collins before him all leaving for better contracts kind of indicates the amount of money we are able to offer. Uh, offer a player um, that security for when when a young when a young player is is able and want to put a mark on 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 uh, on, on the world he, he is okay to maybe take some lower wages when he's getting up to 26 27 he has maybe established himself with a family and has a mortgage and and wants to to uh, ensure his future he would definitely take a higher paying job elsewhere which is completely understandable, and I'm I'm not, not not blaming them for it, but I'm just saying, from from that perspective, I think yeah, any any player will probably leave uh, for a better if a better if a lot better contract comes along at a different club. Do you think Edwards has a, a Do you think he has in mind what sort of style he wants to play going forward? I know I know we were talking about you know. He didn't change much when he came in from Nathan Jones. Just kind of gave the players a belief and a confidence in themselves. Do you do you think that'll that that's going to change over the summer? He's going to start really implementing his own style of play. Yes and no. He he has to play to the material he has. Uh, uh, a three-five-two as we've been playing with does make sense with the with the material we have with two two defensive wing backs. If he wants to change to a four-four-two or a four-one. Two one two or whatever he wants to play, um, that that's going to be up to him. But obviously they got to have the money in order to do so, and they have got to have the the targets in mind. As you do might recall, we do have uh, Mick Harford doing a lot of the scouting. Um, the board is also, I wouldn't say actively involved, but also has some say when it comes to what type of players we want to sign. Um, 
and and the manager of course has his say um, and I do believe we have probably two or three names for each position that are our highest targets for each position and then they will just continue going down that list um, when they're looking at replacing so but yeah the way I see it we do have a squad that's I'm not saying it's getting old but I say we have a squad that's getting older um, so most likely some young players up-and-coming players since we aren't really getting them from our youth squads at the moment and um, will probably come in maybe some uh, free agents from 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 Premier League that has been dropped from from their squads um, will will be picked up um, and I, I don't expect us to do a high spending season should we remain in the championship should we go up to the Premier League then all bets are off I really don't know how 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 this uh, board and how this uh, staff will 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 uh, handle what is it, 200 million pounds being thrown at the club from from various area from, from various uh, financial uh, point of views. You have the TV money, you have the sponsorships, you have prize money and all that stuff that's being thrown at the club uh, when going up to the Premier League. So yeah, let's wait and see what happens there. I actually think there's a there's a firm plan in place if we go up, and I think it's to stay within our budget, to to recruit to recruit players who can do a job maybe in the Premier League, but also are not going to be overpriced priced in the Championship. Should we realistically go back down uh, yeah. if we do go up to begin with? Uh, I I think the club will very much look at that, and as you said, a lot of money you're talking. On, over 100 million in TV money alone. Then you're talking, as you said, your sponsorship deals and everything else. You're probably looking at around 200, 250 million coming into the club. Now, obviously, Gary Sweet's already come out and said eight to 10 million. That'll probably be probably have to be spent uh, updating the stadium to get it within Premier League rules and requirements. Yep. But that's that's. 10 million of 250 million there's still there's still a lot of money there yeah. uh, to to what I would like to see happen to put towards power court and get it done oh yeah we we, we uh, but 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 the power court money I, I wouldn't say all of it is there I say a lot of the financial um, uh, a lot of the finances for power court is is there already um, so in a way, yes, a lot of these monies will, some of this money will go to power court to avoid having to take up large expensive loans, but some of the finances for power court is already there. Um, what, what we will look at, I would say, we would um, probably not look at signing as many English players as we have been, uh, unless they are really talented and coming from the lower divisions. You got to remember that um, because of all the rules with homegrown talent in Europe and uh, if you want to aim for like I'm not saying we want to aim for for a European qualification in the first season but if you want to do that you do have to have there are rules for homegrown talent and there's rules for both uh, at club and and at nation um, so so the price of English players when you're in Premier League is completely different to lower divisions um, so we will definitely probably see a lot more foreign recruitment coming in um, because they're basically cheaper um, and they cost a lot less to, to sign 
um, they would have to get work permits and all that stuff as well. So, yeah, it, it's going to be a whole, whole, a whole lot more messier, uh, as it tends to be in the Premier League when it comes to transfers. So I'm kind of dreading to see what's happening with that. I'm kind of um, going to enjoy watching what's happening with that. Uh, like right now, well, we got to get there first. I'm not saying we're going to get to Premier League because um, it's a momentous task. And if you look at yeah, did you see Middle, the Middlesbrough result? Um, they uh, they they beat Norwich five one, and um, yeah, so mi- meeting Middlesbrough, I'm 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 like almost certain Middlesbrough is going to be one of the teams in the player final, and um, the other team, if it's Luton, it's going to be a really tough game. You got to beat beat the best to be the best, right? Yes, one of the things. One of the things, uh, Ollie Kay had a great article on the on the tasks ahead of Luton in in the in the fact of getting the stadium within requirements for the Premier League, and it looks like uh, the boxes would probably need to go away with a whole a whole um, the whole length of the pitch being taken over by by TV and and studio and looks with probably VAR in there as well. I would think it, yeah. it's 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 going to be a lot to get done in three months, Alex. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, and um, you, you got to weigh you got to weigh the costs uh, of that against um, what's viable. Let's see what happens. Um, I wouldn't say it's impossible to play at Kenworth Road. I would love to continue playing at Kenworth Road in the Premier League, and I think that's that's going to be the go uh, the the board's first priority. Uh, if if it's going to be difficult, then we will have to find somewhere else to play in Premier League and uh, I don't like the options around us yeah neither do I I, I it, it's going to be one of two things either we get up to the Premier League and we play in our own stadium and our, our own new stadium in Paracord or we get up to the Premier League and we play in Kenilworth Road there, there's no is buts or maybes about it like there's none of this oh we're going to have to play in a different ground no bullshit not not having it. No, no. Either we're playing in either we're playing in Kenilworth Road or we're playing a new playing in a new stadium that we built. Yeah, it's it's one of the two. Yeah, which makes me think. Do you think the, the the board? I'm not saying they're not okay with it, but do you think the board are kind of would be would sigh a relief if Luton didn't go up? No, no, I don't think so because the money, like you have you you have first of all you have the what you said, 200 around. I would say, I, I think you were being a bit um, optimistic. I would say around 200 million pounds just for being in the Premier League. But then you also have the parachute payments should you go down. I'm not saying Luton would go down. I'm just saying it's going to be fucking hard to um, to stay up in, in the Premier League. Uh, but you, with the parachute payments you get, in addition to that, you have some more long-term stability, some long, long-term finances coming into the club. And as you say, our board is running a healthy club with with a budget that that fits the club and keeps the club stable. Um, and with the parachute money coming in as well, we will have a power court built, um, and and it will be ready for the next attempt at Premier League. And speaking of how well run this club is, we've been doing it for years, not taking gambling and sponsorship and betting money. Now the Premier League's finally caught caught on and was like, oh yeah, we should probably do that. Luton have been doing it for years, and I mean, if there's a team, if, if if there was ever a team that could use the money, 
it's Luton, but that's just that's not this team, that's not this club, that's not who we are. Yeah, yeah, I think Gary Sweet said said that we lose we we lost out about on a one or a two million pound deal per season by not taking betting money. But I think it's a I think it's a firm choice that they've made and I personally I am completely against betting money. I think betting is uh, it's causing so many uh, social issues that, um, in, in my opinion, it should it should be banned and it shouldn't happen. Uh, I know that's a, that's an altruistic thought and it will always be some form of betting. Um, but but I think that uh, I think it's great that that the club sees that. Um, it is called also kind of like a bit of a false flag. Um, what the Premier League is doing, it's not it's not saying no to betting money. It's just let's not have it on the front of the shirts. So you're going to have all those betting ads on the back of the shirt now moving forward. And and in a way, the betting companies are getting away with paying less money, but they're still getting their ads on, on players still. I was not aware of that. And by the way, if anyone wants to know why Nick is not on the podcast, that's your reason why. He heard that Alex was going to say that he was totally against gambling and had a heart attack. Yeah, yeah, he, he did. And... Um, uh, we we hope he he he's recovering well <laughs> and I, uh, yeah I think uh, I think I'm gonna hear him scream when he hears what I just said but um yeah I I think I think but I I personally think that gambling is a uh, I'm, I'm not I'm not a religious man I I I, I just think that gambling it just ruins people's lives and uh, while while many people enjoy and and enjoy taking a punt now and then. There are so many tragic histories on the back end of that, and uh, yeah, it, I, I, I'm, I'm glad the day that in the future, when when humanity is more civilized, we'll probably see a total ban. So let's move on to the game at the weekend. We're playing Rotherham, another team down near the bottom. Yep, fighting fighting for survival. How do you see this one going, Alex? Um. It's it's um, well, it's one of those teams that are somewhat more comfortable down there. Um, they have a game in hand, but I think that game in hand is against one of the top teams. So not probably not probably the best team to um, not probably one of the best teams to uh, play. They need to play for um, for uh, um, yeah their survival. Um, they're only four points above the the line, and I think they. They're one of the teams that has conceded least in that pack as well. So, yeah, it will be a, com- a difficult game. Um, so I'll, I'll probably go for a favorite result this season, a 1-0 win, um, which has pretty much been a standard result um, since uh, Robbie Edwards came in. Um, I, I do believe we, we are, have a stronger team. Um, but then again, this, this, this middle, this middle um, table teams lower table teams are always a bit of a pickle for us because we might take too lightly on them they might up their game against a top top team so yeah it's um, it's always going to be a difficult game what do you think i think it'll be a difficult game uh, i was listening to the the second tier podcast and they were mentioning that rotterdam could be that the style of play that they they want to play could benefit them against Luton 
given I haven't watched Rotterdam a lot this season. Uh, but that didn't fill me. <laughs> that that didn't fill me with confidence. Uh, but Robbie Robbie Edwards has done, done nearly everything right so far this season. So I'm sure he's got the players in. He's he's got a game plan together uh, of how we want to play and how we want to attack him. I would like an early goal. I think an early goal sells the nerves kind of a little bit. Lets us play our football. Yep. Uh, and 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 lets us lets us move on from there. Um, but I, I do I, I think I think you're you're wrong with us struggling against uh, middle of the table teams because uh, Watford are twelfth and we had no problem with them, Alex. <laughs> well, yes, that is true. Uh, but however, when we played Rotherham at home, we drew one all. So um, yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a difficult uh, game. Um, I believe we're going to have um, yeah have a bit of a fight on our hands getting getting past them but um yeah we we should be we should be winning um it'll be good to see uh, peter kioso again um and um yeah their goalkeeper johansson uh victor johansson swede uh would be really interesting signing for us if we manage to get him um come next season but um yeah let's just wait and see do you want to talk about the waffle game i know i pissed off Stu a little bit in the in the in the chat because to me we played them we beat them i enjoyed it for a day maybe two but then we were going to four or five days later and we're still talking about it. i'm kind of like lads come on we got millwall well but both both those games are um games that luton fans turn up for um i think it was a brilliant to win i think it was um uh, what what we our away game against them was dreadful and um, we probably shouldn't speak much about that because then everyone will just turn off our podcast. Um, I would say, even though the result uh, showed Watford as the better team, I would say it was more a dominant win by Luton than it was by Watford because we we practically owned the pitch. We practically owned every every centimeter of that pitch and. Watford did not get a look in whatsoever. Yeah, it, it, it's one of them things where watching the game, I was like, they're not causing us any problems at all. No. It, it was weird. It was weird for me because you always hear about new manager bounce and Wilder hasn't been in there that long. But then again, you can't have a new manager bounce if you have a new manager every two weeks. <laughs> you <No>. know? <laughs> but, but, but I just, I, it felt weird to me that they didn't cause us really any problems in, in that game. Like, mm. You can turn around and say, oh, 2-0, not as good as a, as a 4-0 win. Yeah, great, okay, I get that. But as you said, it was a very comfortable 2-0 win. Yes, it was. And and also, if you if you look at Juan Pedro, who is Watford's best player, and I would say probably arguable one of the best players in the division, he was made completely silent. He was not in at all. He was not there at all. And... We didn't get to see him at all. He was invisible, and and the fact that we managed to keep play like that silent, yeah, that that was a, a, an amazing result for us. And, uh, and and yeah, we played really really well. Well, with that said, Alex, is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything else on your mind that you'd like to get off your chest? No, no, I I I've done my therapy for the week already. Um, I'm all good. <laughs> How about yourself? 
I'm just enjoying talking to you about Luton again for once. Uh, it's a pity we didn't have Nick here. Well, I know he, I know he's, I know he's Mister PR, and anything we said about the club, he was going, he was going to give us a cease and desist letter. But yep. uh, it, it's one of the things where when I woke up and seen that message from me saying, "Hey, you want to record a podcast?" I've never jumped to anything so quick in my life. I was like, "Fuck yeah, I want to do this." <laughs> like I yeah. truly, truly missed it. And I know we keep in touch and we talk on WhatsApp and whatnot. But uh, getting together and, and, and talking about the Hatters, the mighty Hatters, possibly Premier League Hatters, too good to turn down. Incredible. And, like, I remember me sitting here talking to you and Nick and talking to a lot of other people about recording the Luton Town podcast, and everyone's like, yeah, sure, why not go for it? The first ever Luton Town podcast, and we were in the freaking National League, the National League, the, the non-league, conference, whatever you want to call it. Yep. We were in that, and I, I, I like to look at where we're at now. We were, we were the ones that got that off the ground. And I'm not being cocky; it's the truth. I honestly do not believe the other Luton Town podcasts would be here without us setting that groundwork. And I know podcasts are a big thing now, and someone probably would have did it eventually, but no one did it before us. We were there from day one. We were there from the conference. We were there when we were losing, when we were losing finals to shitty offside goals by York we were there we were talking about it we were talking about those days when when Paul Buckle was in charge and we beat Norwich and then lose to freaking Barrow or Hyde you know, or Hyde or whoever the fuck it was we were there we were talking about it it's yes. great it's great now that all these podcasts are here guys you're doing a great job I'm sure but you're here you're here you're here for the good times you're here for the good times we were there through the bad times we're the yeah. original gangsters. <laughs> well, yeah, as you said, yeah, we, we were the original gangsters, and yeah, we 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 had some we had some fun and, and and had some good times, you know. But yeah, I I still remember the podcast we did after the Hyde defeat, losing at home on Kenilworth Road to freaking Hyde United in March 2013. That's 10 years ago, less, uh, 10 years and one month ago, and now we're talking about having beaten Blackpool 3-1 at Kenworth Road, and we're talking about Premier League, and 10 years ago we were talking about how we freaking lost 2-1 to freaking Hyde United. That's some difference. Absolutely crazy. Absolutely crazy. And I'd just like to point out that Nick, after that Hyde loss, Nick was still Mr. Positive and still thought we could probably go up Yes, yes, he did, and uh, and and he, he he wasn't wrong. We did, but it was also, it, it it was also uh, it was also the last time he yeah he he uh, he lost his, uh, his his manly manly traits and started started uh, his Arabic class and his uh, rhythmic sports gymnastic class, and um, you can see him stretching out in some Leo ballet. <laughs> I believe he's doing ballet now. Yeah, ballet. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can see him stretching out in his leotard in some um, in some CD gym and uh, not not an image in East Anglia. Not an image I want. All right. Okay. With that, with that said, that's that brings an end to the Luton Town International podcast. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, guys, for listening. And I'm sure we won't leave it as long before the next episode. We might even have Nick on it. Who knows?